today on Parenting Youth in the Culture War, there are teachers that have signed a pledge to teach CRT, critical race theory, in the classroom, regardless of what the law says, regardless of the school board, regardless of the parents, they're going to do it anyway. And I have a list of their names. Their names will be in the description below this video and also on the description of the podcast if you're listening to it by podcast. Uh, then I'm also going to show you a radical Antifa teacher who is basically bullying his students and, with propaganda and uh, kind of putting them across his wall in his room with their picture showing how far left they are, left being the best, of course, in his view. Um, then there's teachers coming out to students. I'm going to show you one of those. I, I don't see the point of that. Also, a teacher is telling students to pledge allegiance to the LGBTQ flag. Uh, yeah, they don't. she doesn't have the American flag in her classroom, so she has that flag. And are Christian schools and colleges any better? We're going to talk about that. And warnings about Marvel Comics and the Cartoon Network. And then, of course, we're going to have Dimwits and Darlings. That's all coming right up here in just a minute. So we're going to talk about some teachers today who are defying the law. They pledge to defy the law. And so it doesn't matter what you're, you might say as a parent, it doesn't matter that you elect school board members to represent you, which sometimes they don't, right? Um, but that doesn't matter either to these teachers who are employed by your tax money that you pay for them to do their job. Uh, they don't care. They're going to do what they want to do anyway. And they've pledged to do so. And so if you are, when you finish watching the rest of this episode, I hope you'll watch it all. I would hope that you would look at the description below, whether, again, whether it be you're listening to it just on podcast or whether you're watching it on YouTube or whatever, look at the description below, look up your state, see what teachers have signed the pledge. Their names are on there, but that's going to be in the description. So you want to look that up. Even if your children don't go to public school, you want to know because you have friends and neighbors who may want to know this information, right? These teachers say they will violate the law to teach critical race theory. Is this town in your, is the, is your town on this list, it says. This is what the pledge said that these teachers signed. We, the undersigned educators, refuse to lie to young people about U.S. history and current events regardless of the law, the signatory said. The pledge was drafted by the Zinn Education Project, which is named after Howard Zinn, whose FBI file says he taught a class in Marxism at Communist Party headquarters in Brooklyn. Parents found the first list useful to know what teachers to avoid in their school districts. 2,000 more teachers signed the pledge in the last two months. Now, I think this was actually written back this spring. I'm not sure when this was written, but I do have a follow-up to that, so which is very interesting. Many signed with comments like, I will never stop teaching for justice, equity, and anti-racism. That was Annalise Steuben May of Fashion Washington. And then a lady in Tucson, Arizona, Jenna Brito wrote, I will not let the white establishments establishment silence me. I will continue to teach an accurate account of history. This includes teaching about how racism, sexism, xenophobia, 
etc. is deeply embedded into our society and how it continues to shape out experiences. I think it meant our experiences. Here, Jackie Ramirez of Jackson Township in New Jersey wrote, critical race theory is important to uncover the myths of our country's founding. And Deborah of Philadelphia, Deborah Kodish of Philadelphia wrote, it is the duty of all of us to decolonize and to work to dismantle white supremacy, racial, or racial capitalism, settler colonism, and other forms of bias violence. Okay, these are teachers all across the country that are teaching in public schools. Todd Bowser of Winston-Salem, North Carolina wrote, Capitalism is all, already creates a massive imbalance in the availability of facts and truth. When oppressors get to write their own histories to the exclusion of all others, this act is further oppression in itself. That this would be reinforced through policy is racist violence. So in other words, they're saying if you disagree that racism is an issue in the country right now and that uh, capitalism is bad and so on, then you are, are perpetrating violence, racist violence, because of your opinions, basically. Nancy Lewis of Baltimore, Maryland wrote, in age-appropriate ways, the public constituency needs to learn the facts of the United States racist capitalism. Okay, so these are all teachers in the public school. Another reason why it's important that you get your children out of public school. It's not a good thing. It is beyond repair, I believe. But if you are still, still have them in there for whatever reason, I'm hoping that these episodes will help you get a grip on what's going on and possibly have more uh, ammunition to go to the school board with and talk to other parents about. After pledging they would violate the law, to teach critical race theory, teachers scramble to hide evidence. Now, this is really interesting that one of these, these teachers, uh, I'm going to give one example. There was a whole bunch of examples of teachers who started to scramble because they were afraid of what was going to happen to them because they pledged this, right? Teachers who signed a pledge that they would teach critical race theory ideas, even if it was against the law, are now desperately trying to hide their involvement with dozens of names disappearing over the last two months. And this was on August 25th, this article. So in the last couple of months, a lot of teachers have realized, oops, I shouldn't let everybody know what I think in this area. And you know what? Are we supposed to be afraid of letting other people know what we think? I don't think we are. But if you're thinking things that are against the policy of the school and you're telling the school and the parents, I don't care what you say, yes, you employ me, yes, these are your children, but I'm going to teach them whatever I darn well please, regardless of what you say. <laughs> That's just not smart. These teachers aren't very smart to do that. Some have since apparently decided to conceal their beliefs from parents who employ them. Romello Green. He signed the pledge from Brookhaven, New York, a perennial conservative stronghold on Long Island in which nine out of 10 elected officials are Republicans. So there are some places in New York that aren't super liberal, <laughs> but he teaches American history for South Country Central School District at Bellport Mills School. So after realizing that his name was online, Green panicked. He contacted the Zen Education Project, which wrote back to him, We removed your name. 
This has been such a tough school year already, and then for teachers to face retribution for pledging to teach the truth is too much. No, they weren't facing retribution for pledging to teach the truth. They were facing retribution for going against the law, for going against what parents and the school board tell them to do. That's what their employers and the parents of the students they teach. That's what they're facing retribution for. Not for teaching truth, because obviously that wouldn't be true. He also repeatedly contacted the Daily Wire, and the Daily Wire is the one who's publishing what, who these names are, right? Which published a version of Zinn's list. I wanted to ask, quote, I wanted to ask that my name be removed from this list as soon as possible. Time is of the essence, he wrote. But in a phone call with the Daily Wire to determine what grounds he was asking his name be removed from the article, Green was all over the place. First, he said he only may have signed it, and if he did, it was accidentally. So, quote, you may accidentally put your name on something. I went on that site to find some content for my class. I don't even remember what content I was getting from that site. I must have seen this pledge and signed it. It was probably my doing without even realizing it, he said, adding that he does not always read things carefully. Okay, that's not very good for a teacher. But the now-deleted data shows that he didn't just click a button or enter his name. He typed a paragraph describing why he agreed with its message. I am committed to teaching the truth about our nation's history to educate young minds about the traumatic history many minorities have lived and experienced for centuries. My goal is to teach about the past and hopes for the next generation to build a more just society, it said. Next, Green said that he does not necessarily disagree with the petition. He just didn't want people to know. When asked if he was asking for his name to be removed from the petition because his views have changed, he said only, I just want my name removed is all. And then a quote, since I attached my name to it and said I'm going to teach it to your kids, it's causing me a lot of trouble, he said, adding that a union representative told him it, quote, doesn't look good on me, especially because it's only my first year non-tenured, he said. When asked if he would abide by laws or rules even if he disagreed with them, he at first said, if my district says not to teach it, that's what I'm going to do. But soon after, he said he would not change his teaching methods, but would simply avoid the phrase critical race theory. I'm going to, quote, just do what I've always been doing and not call it that. That's what I'm going to do, he said. Now, then there's a whole lot of other examples of other teachers who wanted their names removed and then what they said in response to being asked about why they want their names removed. So basically, they're saying, yeah, they just, they're going to do this, but they just don't want people to know that they're going to do it. So that's really interesting. Anyway, be sure and look at that list. I think it's important that you let your friends and neighbors know. And if you have your kids in public school at this point, again, consider taking them out. That's, that's my thing. I want to give you another example of a teacher who um, is really out of line. Happy Pride, everyone. It's June 1st, the start of Pride Month. Here's what I got going in my classroom. I got these flags from Target in like the dollar bin, so that's amazing. 
Um, they didn't have all of them in the collection that they came out with, so I got all the ones that they had. As well as the inclusive pride flag. I pledge allegiance to the queers. I also got a really big pride inclusive ah, flag. Um, I need to put it up still, but it's gonna go up there and I need like a ladder. <laughs> so that's gonna come later, but it's here, yay! So I love you all very much for the people who are out, for the people who aren't out. You're appreciated, you're loved, you are enough. I support you, I got you. Okay, so during third period we have announcements and they do the Pledge of Allegiance. I always tell my class, Stand if you feel like it, don't stand if you feel like it, say the words if you want, don't have to say the words. So my class decided to stand but not say the words. Totally fine. Except for the fact that my room does not have a flag. It used to be there. But I took it down during COVID because it made me uncomfortable. And um, I packed it away and I don't know where and I haven't found it yet. <laughs> But my kid today goes, hey, um, it's kind of weird that we just stand and then, you know, we say it to nothing. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I got to find it. Like, I'm working on it. I got you. <laughs> in the meantime, I tell this kid, we do have a flag in the class that you can pledge your allegiance to. And he, like, looks around and he goes, oh, that one? She's inappropriate in so many ways. First, I just want to say, when did it become okay to make a big issue about how people choose to have sex and romantic relationships with others? How did, when did that become such a huge big deal that a teacher should wear all these things to represent the idea of what how people have sex with other people or have romantic relationships with other people and have it in their classroom and everything. Regardless of whether you believe that all of this kind of behavior is okay, regardless of whether you're really ultra conservative socially like myself and don't believe in any of that behavior, that's not appropriate behavior, or if you believe all of that's fine and, and you know, that's great or whatever, you know, no matter what you believe, when did it become okay to make such a huge big deal out of it in the classroom? And then if you watch her, she makes clear by her attitude, her words, her gestures, that she knows where that American flag is. She, she just told him she isn't sure where it is. And then she makes a little gesture to show, yeah, I really do. She knows where that American flag is and she doesn't want to put it up because it makes her feel uncomfortable. And so I'm like, if you feel uncomfortable about having the American flag and you're an American in an American school, then you shouldn't be here. Go to another country, wherever you might feel comfortable and go there <laughs> and teach there. In fact, I would say don't teach there, but go there and do your thing in some country that you're going to feel comfortable in. Because if you're not comfortable here, you shouldn't be teaching our children. She should be fired. Now I have some good news. The last update I saw was that she was removed from the classroom. Now, I don't know what removed from the classroom means. I don't know if that means she was fired or what exactly. Because removed from the classroom doesn't really say fired. I hope she was fired. She should not be teaching children at all. And think about something else that she said. 
that she said to the students they could stand and say the pledge or not say the pledge or just stand there and be quiet or whatever they want to do. And they chose to stand and not say it. And I'm thinking to myself, how many kids would say it and would want to say it, but are pressured by her, her attitude, and all the other students that are going along with her? And they would have to stand up against their class and say the pledge by themselves or with a few other students. That's just so wrong, so wrong to do that. Anyway, she should be fired. She's one of the ones I'm going to tell you about that should be fired, along with that other list, that whole list of teachers that I was just talking about a minute ago. And by the way, I want to mention something that Matt Walsh mentioned, that would this teacher have had any repercussions had this video of hers not gone viral? This is actually two videos I showed. I showed clips of two of her videos. I don't know. And that's another reason to question what's going on at your, your own child's public school if you have your children in public school. What's going on there? Just because something isn't known doesn't mean it's not going on. Another reason to have cameras in the classroom, which I've also said several times. So here's another video of another teacher doing something completely inappropriate. And there's a few things I have to say about that, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Everybody, can everybody look up from their phones? My class is important, please. Hello, I'm waiting. You guys look at me. So I usually go by Mr. Johnson, but I would like to be called Zoa now. My name is Zoa and I'm non-binary. So you can call me Mr. Zoa. You can call me Miss Zoa. You can call me Mix Zoa. That's M-X period. And I go by all pronouns. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, that's, that's it. So I'm not sure why he needs to do that. Why does he need to do that? Why doesn't he just go along and leave the kids alone? But no, he's got to push his agenda and it's all about him. There's a couple things I noticed about this. First, I want to say, if you have a male teacher who has hair down to his waist, which I don't know if you noticed that, because at first I didn't even notice that because he's got the mask on and I just didn't notice. But he's got hair going all the way down to his waist or beyond and half of it's like green or blue or something. And it's all in braids or something. I don't know if it's dreadlocks or braids. I didn't pay that much attention. That tells you something's going on with this person anyway. I just have to tell you, I something's going on with him. Doesn't it make you wonder? It's like if you have a teacher, like the other day I showed you that preschool teacher. Okay, she's got all these piercings. She's got a nose ring. You know, that says, gosh, something's going on with her, you know? Something's going on. Something's going on with her. Is that really the look that you want of the person that is supposed to be respected in the classroom? I don't think so. But again, why does this, why is it necessary for him to do this? The other thing I noticed was he has to get his, the student's attention and say, get off your phones for a moment, please. My, you know, my class is important too. So why are the kids all on their phones while he's supposed to be teaching class? Don't you think that's a little weird? Another thing is, he's, again, in a public school. He, he comes out and changes his gender or preferences or whatnot, ridiculous stuff. He does that, and then they all cheer. If you're trying to teach your children that this 
this, there's men and there's women and that's it. Okay. Basic biology, basic truth. And no matter what somebody else thinks that they are or aren't or feels like they are or aren't, it's just not, it's not truth. And you send them to a school and this is what their teacher does. And then all the students, you heard them, a whole bunch of students cheering. Yay. Why is that yay? You know, again, what, what's there to cheer about? <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense. It's all this culture war going on. It's all this war of culture going on. Yay for the left. We, they're cheering for their left cultural agenda being pushed some more. That's why they're, that's why they're cheering. It, it's, you're putting your children in a situation where they're going to be constantly battling this. And really, we as the parents and adults should be battling it. We shouldn't put our children in a situation where they have to. I have another teacher to show you. Another teacher that should be fired. And this one is even crazier. I mean, these have been pretty crazy, but listen to this guy. This is really crazy. I have 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. How do you do that? How do you scare the out of them? Sacramento organization that is under the banner of Antifa is, is very loosely organized, right? Um, so that, yeah, when, when there is like right-wing rallies and stuff, then we like... We'll create an opposition to that. Yeah. Beautiful. Where would he go to connect to some of these organizations? Like, no, I, I post a calendar oh, every okay, week. Awesome. And then, so, so like, they, it's and I do it for extra credit. So they get points for doing it. Like, and so that encourages them to do it. <laughs> and and Sacramento, uh, you know, as as a city itself is, is incredibly diverse, but um, we're surrounded so by I, a bunch of right wing rednecks. Meet Gabriel Geit. He's a public school teacher paid for by taxpayer dollars at Intercom High School in Sacramento, California. Guype, who teaches advanced placement government classes, is not shy about his involvement in Antifa's local chapter. If you look at these photos from Guype's classroom, you can see he has an Antifa flag as well as a poster of Mao Zedong, the Chinese dictator who is one of the most notoriously brutal leaders in history, responsible for the death of millions. Uh, I, I probably uh, as, as far left as you can go. <laughs> so, like... Guype's radical philosophy is prominent in the teaching in his own classroom. Guype goes on to say he's not the only teacher at Intercom High School who shares his radical beliefs. You know, I know um, other people in my department who teach like 10th graders who, who have like parent meetings, like some, you know, a student who complained about like a pride flag and something they felt uncomfortable. I've had students, you know, during anonymous surveys at the end of the year comment about the things that I have in my classroom. Like I, I have an Antifa flag on my, on my wall um, and a student complained about that and he said it made him feel uncomfortable and I, had, I addressed it to everyone because I didn't know who it was and I was like, well, this is meant to make fascists feel uncomfortable so if you feel uncomfortable, I, I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> like, maybe you shouldn't be aligning with the, the values that it, this is antithetical to. Your, your political identification changed, and I, so I have a huge political spectrum in my room on the wall. So they take an ideology quiz in, in their unit four, and I put their face, or they have to give me a picture of themselves, and I put it on the wall where they are. Every year, they get further and further left. And, and I've, I've made them pay attention to where my tack marks are, because I'm like, these ideologies are considered extremes, right? Extreme times breed extreme ideologies, right? There is a reason why Generation Z, these kids, are, are becoming further and further left. Give you, are there a lot you, of teachers like you? I think there are more than there used to be. Um, 
And I, I think that, uh, like, there's three other teachers in my department that I did my credential program with, and they're rad. They're great people, um, and they're definitely, like, on the same page. Guy believes it's okay to enforce his radical political agenda on his students. This tip came to us from someone on the inside of Guype's school and was corroborated by a Project Veritas undercover journalist. If you're on the inside of one of these educational institutions, contact us and send us a tip at veritastips at protonmail.com. We'll send our team of undercover journalists to corroborate. Be brave. Do something. So there was a possible way that you can help fight the culture war. I haven't seen Veritas before, but that was from Veritas.com, and I found that to be very interesting and good to know. I'm sure you did too. Another thing, follow-up for this guy, I believe he has been fired. Uh, that's what I think, if I, if I remember what I read right. But I wanted to uh, point out something. Right at the beginning, I'm not sure if you heard it because it was so clipped so close, he said... I have 180 days to turn my students into revolutionaries. 180 days is a school year. How many days they have to, to have their students in their classroom. He has 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. And if you noticed, another thing that he mentioned and he talked about was that he has from left to right basically on his wall ideas. He said he's as far left as they come, right? So he, ta he tells every student to give him a picture of themselves, and they take a quiz and he puts them on the wall saying how, you know, where they are in extremes. Him, of course, wanting them to be the far left extreme where he is. And of course, students are going to want to please their teacher or they're going to want to be looked at well by other students under his teaching. Of course they're going to want to go left. It's becoming more left every year. Of course it is. You're getting better at your job, what you consider to be your job, of turning them into revolutionaries each year, as well as the culture war going on. Of course they're getting more left. And of course they'd want to look more left to you to get a good grade or to be in your good graces under your tutelage, right? Another teacher that hopefully is fired. I think he was fired. I'm pretty sure he was fired. I know they, that Veritas followed up with him and tried to ask him some questions that he wouldn't answer any of them, of course, which isn't surprising. So <clears throat> something else I want to tell you about. There's a school. This, this is a classic example of the idea that liberals and leftists, there's a distinction between the two, but that liberals and leftists don't think in mature ways. Now there's a parenting course that I give and um, every Monday morning on my other channel, the Mommy Answer Lady channel, I have started to post the lessons. And the first lesson is mature parenting. And maturity is understanding how your current decisions will affect your distant future and acting on that knowledge in a responsible way. And what I always look at when I look at leftists and and uh, liberals is they don't do that. They don't think about the future and how their current decisions or those of society are going to affect the future. They think of kind of right now, as close by right now as they can. 
and they don't think about the outcomes of the things. They don't go down the road in their mind. And here's a good example of that. In New York, of course, there is a school, and it's a new school. Guess what it's called? The new school. That's what it's called. The new school. And it's a university. And, okay, so think about that. What about when the school is now, it's not new anymore? That's the name of the school, the new school. So if this school, like if you look at Harvard, it was like from the 1600s, okay? <laughs> Looking down the road, the new school isn't always going to be new. So why would you name your school the new school? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. But I wanted to, I wanted to show you something. So for the new school mascot, I want to show you. This is the mascot, narwhals, okay? What do you think when you think of narwhals? Yes, most of, a lot of you think of elf. Hi, buddy, hope you find your dad, or whatever. <laughs> the narwhal guy says, every time I say a narwhal, I think of the elf movie. So here's the mascot also. Here's another picture of this mascot. Now, with this, I, I guess I'm not into things in the same way as others that maybe I didn't realize that uh, mascots, actually, they write this whole history for the mascot. Right? So they have this mascot in the new school. His name is Gnarls, the narwhal. And he uses they, them pronouns. And Gnarls is the official mascot for the new school, a social justice advocate, and the first and only sea mammal to earn a BA, BFA dual degree from the new school. <laughs> so I, I guess they give degrees to narwhals. Narwhals is a Pisces. <laughs> That's important to know. So narwhals was born, I'm not going to read all of this, but I wanted you to see a little bit of it. Narls was born in the Arctic depths of the North Atlantic Ocean. Their mother, yes, this is a university. This is a university using a plural pronoun for a singular thing, person, or animal, I guess. <laughs> Their mother, more narwhal, and father, far narwhal, were traditionally nomadic narwhals. <clears throat> now, they go into all of this uh, climate change radical left ideology and everything. The year Narls was born, data from NASA's GRACE satellites revealed that ice sheets in the North Antarctica and Greenland were beginning to lose substantial mass. So by the time Narls was 12 year old, years old, the Arctic home of the Narwhal family had seen distressing levels of ice loss. This environmental catastrophe forced more far Nash and Narls into an in a journey to find a hospitable alternative to their familiar frozen waters. Uh, it's Odyssean journey, but <clears throat> so I guess he has a sister or a brother or a nothing that's named Nash. I don't know. I didn't read that part. At age 18, still adventurous, but now an adult narwhal, narls floated their way, narls, singular, floated their way to New York City, eventually landing near Chelsea Piers on the island of Manhattan. Goes into more liberal stuff, always calling Narls 
they, or them, or their. This is a university, okay? <laughs> I, I don't know what their English department is like because clearly they don't know how to, how to speak English. Narls knows that when we support one another on campus, our pride and spirit grow, which is why they make it a priority to attend new school events. That is just classic supra-liberal ridiculousness, right? <laughs> Any parent that sends their, their child, their, their young adult or child, to a university that has no more foresight than to call it the new school and can't speak proper English shouldn't be... <laughs> they, I don't know. They should be on the dimwit parent list. That, that's ridiculous. We're talking about schools and teachers, basically, this week, mostly. James Madison University is under fire for pushing controversial rhetoric as a part of its freshman orientation training for student leaders. So look at this chart. This is the chart that they have in their student training, their freshman orientation. The PowerPoint presentation and accompanying video address topics like social justice, identity, power, and privilege, and labeled any person who fits the parameters of white, male, straight, and Christian as oppressors in a detailed chart. Now, I looked at this chart, as you can see, I don't see anywhere where it says Christian. So, but I saw that there were two different things that I looked at that said Christians are, the Christian, being Christian is included in the oppressors thing even though it's not on the chart. So it must be in the video and the PowerPoint, I guess, I, I assume. But, I, but when I looked that up, that was gone. Like they took it down from the internet. So I guess it had a lot of controversy. Of course it did. JMU College Republicans chairwoman Juliana McGrath shared her frustration saying, with Fox News saying the training at the Virginia University that's meant to bring students together will ultimately be divisive. So in other words, she's talking about the freshman training is supposed to teach students how to kind of get along with their everyone in college. And it's like they're opening to their first year in college. And instead of helping them be unified with the other students, they're putting up this chart. You see this chart, social identity, your race is white or black, Asian, Latino, or anything else. So they separate white from everyone else. Their ethnicity is their Western European, which is an agent or a, the privileged, and the non-Western Europeans and everyone else is oppressed. The nationality is American is privileged and anywhere outside of America is oppressed. Socioeconomic status class, upper, middle, or wealthy is privileged. Well, I would agree with that. Well, that's true. But... I wouldn't agree that the others are oppressed, working lower or anyone else. Size, thin athletic build is privileged. Again, I might, I might have to agree with that part. Overweight or underweight is oppressed. I wouldn't agree they're oppressed. Okay, it doesn't mean because someone is, has privilege because they are good looking, that is just a fact of life. But it, it is true. If you are a better looking person, you have more privileges because people tend to look at you better in a better way when they see something that's more beautiful in their own mind, in their eyes, right? 
And there's nothing you can do about that. But I don't believe that makes those people oppressors. That, that's not true. And just because you're white European American doesn't mean you are an oppressor. And I certainly don't believe it means that you're privileged either. I don't believe that either. But that's what's being taught at James Madison University. And I'm sure that's not the only place in, in as far as colleges go. But now we've been talking a lot about public schools and about some of the colleges and stuff. So I wanted to look at something about Christian schools that I found, which I thought was very interesting. And I think that you guys might appreciate knowing this. The Daily Wire reported Christian schools vastly outperforming public schools during COVID-19, according to a new survey of parents. That's interesting. Among last year's other lessons, none may be more important than this. Our taxpayer-funded education establishment cares more about adults than children. I would have to agree with that. Consider the evidence. Public school union bosses pressured officials to close schools and keep them shuttered beyond what medical authorities recommended, as if I would care what medical authorities recommend. They're, they don't care about science anyway. In spite of the obvious harm to children of school closures, unions throughout the country lobbed threats and issued demands. In Chicago, the union went so far as to sue the mayor to keep the schools closed. And in San Francisco, the city had to sue its school board to get them to open it, I guess. A public education system that failed to do right by our children has kept union bosses empowered and politicians cowed. In a recent survey of public school and Christian school parents, the Herzog Foundation found that parents of children who attended a Christian school were vastly more satisfied with their school experience. Of course they are. Of course they are. First of all, in most Christian schools, there's fewer students per, per teacher. That's one thing. Second, they don't push radical left ideology. Okay, they don't. Now, if they push Christianity, that's because they're a Christian school. And you know that going in. When you go into public school, you shouldn't expect that they're going to be pushed in any kind of ideology like that. But in a Christian school, you can expect they're going to be taught Christian values. Christian parents reported their schools were open even as nearby public options closed, while only 8% of public school parents could report that their schools never closed. A quarter of Christian school parents could say that. So that's cool. Most of the Christian schools just stayed open anyway, which I think is awesome. The survey found that during the pandemic, Christian school parents found it easier to manage their child's time, communicate with teachers, manage their child's assignments, and were better able to keep up their child's morale than the parents of children in public schools. As a result, while just over half of public school parents reported being satisfied with their child's education in 2020, fully 80% of Christian school parents were satisfied. So the good news is, this is good news for the culture war. The data, data offers us hope on several fronts. Okay, well, first let me say, the data is unmistakable. In a panicked trying year, Christian school parents and their children fared far better than their public school counterparts. The data offers us hope on several fronts. Parents across the country, this is what's good, are expressing growing anxiety about the teaching of critical race theory in classrooms. In this survey, 70% of all parents do not believe their school should teach that white people are inherently privileged and black people and others are oppressed. 
Moreover, 80% of all parents do not think their school should teach that achieving racial justice requires discriminating against white people. In other words, while American parents may disagree on a great deal, they are united in the belief that many of the central tenets of critical race theory should not be in the classroom, whether that classroom is funded privately or publicly. This is why I was going to say this is good news because this survey shows that parents are starting to wake up, they're starting to see what's going on, and many of them, the vast majority of parents, do not want this leftist ideology taught in school. And now what we need to do is get 80% of the parents to speak up. And whether your parents, your kids go to the public school or not, you can still speak up because your tax dollars are paying for it, right? So you can still speak up. But I really hope that if you are one of the parents that still sends your children to public school, you'll get involved, especially with Moms for Liberty. Again, I said Moms for Liberty is a, an organization. If you don't know who they are, I really hope that you will look them up. I would like to start a chapter here in the Kansas City area. If you're interested in helping me do that, I would love for you to get a hold of me. Uh, you can reach me at holly at mommyanswerlady.com. You can uh, message me through Facebook. I have a Facebook page, um, this YouTube channel. Um, if you're listening to me on a podcast, you can email me, whatever. There's all kinds of ways to get a hold of me. If you're interested in being a part of a Moms for Liberty chapter in the Kansas City, Missouri area, let me know. So there we talked about some Christian schools that are having some good results, which is great. And I wanted to tell you what's going on at Harvard. Harvard, a lot of uh, especially left-leaning parents tend to want to send their children to Harvard as one of the Ivy League schools, right? Harvard University originally founded as a mission to educate clergymen in order to minister to New England's early Puritan colonists has a new chief chaplain. His name is Greg Epstein. I'm going to put his picture up here. And he is an atheist. Epstein, author of Good Without God, What a Billion Non-Religious People Do Believe, has been the university's humanist chaplain since 2005. Before being unanimously, this is what I'm saying, unanimously elected, by his fellow campus chaplains as the university chaplains organization's new president, the New York Times reported. The 44-year-old who was raised in a Jewish household has been described as a godfather to the humanist movement and a secular values-based philosophy that focuses on people's relationships with each other instead of with God. So, I think it's sad. I, you know, you think, okay, maybe the school board assigned the president of the chaplain's organization. Uh, no. 40 chaplains. So if you send your child to an Ivy League sort of school, you would expect, okay, maybe they can make it through. At least they have a chaplain organization. They have religious organizations that my son or daughter could go to and be supported in the truth of the gospel and in their life or even just their conservative beliefs or whatever. No, 40 chaplains unanimously elected an atheist to be in charge, uh, to be the leader of their chaplain's organization. 
more downhill, right? <laughs> Can you go much more downhill from here? I'm just not sure. This is all part of the culture war, isn't it? I read this book. I'm going to put it up here. My favorite podcaster, Matt Walsh, wrote this book, Church of Cowards, A Wake-Up Call to Complacent Christians. It is an excellent, excellent book. When I saw this article about this atheist chaplain situation, fiasco, I want to call it, I thought to myself, that book is so perfect and it so describes the problem in society. Basically, part of the problem in society is that Christians are just cowards and they will not stand up and they will not say what needs to be said. So if you haven't read that yet, I really want to suggest that you take time to read that. Church of Cowards, I'm going to put it in the description below. You can get a link to it there, whether you're listening again, whether you're listening to this on a podcast or whether you're listening to it as a YouTube or, or even a Rumble video. I hope that you will get it because it is very, very eye-opening and he is straight to the point, boy. He, he, that's why I like him because he just, he just says the way things are, right? I love that. All right, so we're going to move on to the Marvel Comics problem. There's a lot of problems with Marvel Comics, and I don't really know all of them because I don't follow Marvel Comics. But I saw this article and I thought that you should know about it. This is about Captain America. Marvel introduces gay Captain America in new comic series. Now some of you, if you've kept, you know been around Marvel Comics for some time, you may already have known that they were way into that stuff. I didn't know because I don't pay any attention to that. And like in 2011, I saw the Captain America movie. I don't know if you guys went to see it. And it was really good. I mean, I thought it was pretty good. It didn't have any weird stuff. And he was all for America and, and all that. So I was like, oh, that's, that was pretty good. I didn't know any of this was going on. So I want to read to you about this. Marvel Comics is celebrating its 80th anniversary of Captain America. And it's changing things up a little bit. I wouldn't say that's a little bit personally. Does that guy look like a little bit to you? He doesn't look like a little bit of change to me, but okay. In a new limited series, a new superhero named Aaron Fisher will debut on June 2nd, so this was a couple months ago, as the United States of Captain America. That's weird. And he is a gay superhero being the first LGBTQ Captain America ever. Fisher isn't the first gay superhero to hit the comic books. The first openly gay character was from Marvel Comics is actually a member of X-Men called North Star along with Iceman. X-Men is like there's all kinds of children's comics and like little toys and things like that. There are X-Men. North Star and Iceman are gay superheroes. I I'm just thinking to myself, why do they even need to do that except that they're pushing an agenda? A superhero might fly through the air or save, you know, a, a whole village, you know, with his superpowers or whatever. Why does it, why does it need to be expressed that he is gay or behaves gay? Why? It's so unnecessary. And it makes it so obvious that they're trying to push an agenda. It's so obvious. Oh, it's so aggravating. But now Fisher will join other LGBTQ queer or, or Q, uh, superheroes in helping the LGBTQ representation in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So if you have your children allowing them to watch the Avengers, get their toys, see their programs, 
uh, not a good idea. I think that it's obviously something that you don't want to do, and I would suggest that they're a nope. The Marvel Avengers and all the Marvel stuff, nope. Uh, what's next? Okay, I wanted to tell you about the Cartoon Network. The Cartoon Network put out a tweet with comics teaching children the LGBTQ agenda and progressive ideology. And I'm going to show you just a part of that tweet that they put out. Uh, on, on it, it says, a lot of people are learning about gender. If you're comfortable, you can share your own pronouns. Gender pronouns describes a person's gender identity. Examples of pronouns are she, her, they, them, and zezer. Gender pronouns, we can't tell someone's gender just because by looking at them and shouldn't assume we know. There are many gender identities beyond girl or boy. Some people don't identify as any gender. So this is uh, pushing, obviously pushing that gender ideology on the children and trying to change the language to go along with it. The Cartoon Network pushing that makes them a nope as well. The dimwit parents are parents that I don't know their names. And I'm saying that even though on this video you're going to see it says their names, so what they call themselves anyway. But you can see that that's not their names because they're two men and a woman. And, and their names don't go along with that. And so you know that they have messed up the whole situation. These are three extremely confusing, confused people who are raising two children, sadly, to be raised in their confusion. I was talking about how if you listen to the music that's playing on this, earlier I, I gave you a clip of this guy who was coming out to his students, but the, the music when the guy was coming out to his students was beautiful, lovely music, making it sound so wonderful, you know? This one is going to have the same thing. It's going to have some light, lovely music as they're talking about their super confused world. I mean, these people are in a super confused world, and they're raising two daughters in a super confused world. And what the music should be is, reek, reek, reek. That's the way, that's the kind of music it should be, or the, that really low tone, you know? That's what should be in the background. But instead, it's lovely, beautiful music because they're trying to make it look like it's wonderful. Listen to this. Watch this. These are the dimwit parents that we're going to be talking about today. And I'm so sad for those little girls. I, I think they're both girls. They could be not because they don't tell you. So you can't really tell. And they're not past puberty, so you can tell, right? So uh, here we go. Watch this. This is Ari, Gwendolyn, and Brynifer. They are in a polyamorous relationship and they all parent Hazel and Sparrow. We have a two-year-old antigender baby and a 10-year-old who is non-binary. They have chosen not to disclose Sparrow's gender. We don't know it yet. It's something that Sparrow's gonna have to figure out and then tell us. These polyamorous parents let their children choose their gender. And for their oldest child, Hazel, that's neither male nor female. Please tell us how and why you decided to come out as non-binary. Because the pronouns she and he did not fit. 
non-binary was what I turned to, though I do choose to act and look um, more feminine. And two and a half year old Sparrow has yet to make a choice about their gender. Sparrow, do you want a banana? Yeah. Yeah. They're anti-gender, but we're using they, them pronouns. Sure, they have anatomy, we understand it, but like that's not indicative of their identity. It's something that Sparrow's gonna have to figure out and then tell us before we can handle anyone else. Particularly because it's, you know, something that our parents did and they got it wrong. So if you saw that, you could see that those were two men and a woman and they confused, completely confused their two children. That is so sad. I think those people should have those children taken away from them. They absolutely should. It is wrong to allow those children to be sit in that kind of a situation and to be, grow up that way. I, I am just really sad about that. That's just sad as it can be. So now I'm gonna go to my darling parent and her name is Jennifer Booth. She is standing up for her daughter's free speech, and I think that's worth stamping her a darling parent at the moment. Uh, here's another mass with a beautiful message. Jesus loves me. What could be wrong with that? Well, for the administrators of a certain elementary school in Mississippi, it was a big problem. That is Lydia Booth. She is a third grader, and back in October, she was sent to the principal's office when she was wearing this mask. They told her to take it off, saying that it violates school policy. Well, this has become a major deal right now. I think that sounds pretty unfair to me, but let's get into it with Lydia Booth. She is the third grader, along with her mom, Jennifer Booth. Welcome to you both. And we also have your lawyer, uh, Tyson you. Langhofer, uh, senior counsel at the Alliance Defending Freedom. Welcome to you all. Uh, nice Thank to see you. you. Thank you. So, Jennifer, if you don't mind, I, I'm hearing that other people were wearing any kind of mask and it was okay. Black Lives yeah. Matter, Kamala Harris, Biden, uh, whatever you want, but they singled yeah. her out. Is that is that how it went down? Yes, sir. Um, our son goes to high school and he said that, I mean, pretty much whatever mask you could think of uh, politically. Tyson Langhofer, yeah. I'm sure you've seen the documents, you've seen their statement. Tell us what this is, uh, what this is about. Do they have a case here or do you? No, you know, it's, it's really clear. Elementary school students don't forfeit their religious freedom when they walk into the school. And what happened here was that the school targeted Lydia's speech, her mask, because it was religious. Um, and that's a clear violation of the First Amendment. Public school teachers have no business censoring students who just want to simply share their deeply held religious beliefs, but allowing others to express different messages. Now, it does say, according to this, was this policy or not, the school statement that they prohibited political, religious, sexual, or, you know, on and on and on, anything deemed disruptive? Did they have that well, official policy? Yeah, the, here's the problem. They didn't have that policy until after Jennifer called them on that. They actually made that up after the fact in order to justify them making Lydia take that off. But even if it was the policy, the problem is you cannot, the government cannot discriminate against certain viewpoints. They lumped religious speech into inappropriate speech and along with inappropriate speech or political speech. And they can't target that type of speech, but allow other speech 
such as Black Lives Matter or such as sports logos and things like that. Yeah, no, that makes total sense to me what you're saying right there. That is, this is, this is, hey, this is why we're in America, right? This is why we set up the country for moments like this. So, um, Jennifer, uh, you're, uh, well, what happens next? We filed a lawsuit or have, has that actually, it's still pending, my understanding. So what happens next? Um, we're just kind of waiting for them to uh, either agree with us or uh, I guess we're going to go to the court. Um, they're not wanting to own up to what's happened. In the meantime, Lydia, uh, I guess you can't wear this mask anymore, or are you? Well, um, I can still wear it now. Yeah, now she can. All right. Lawsuit. They agreed to allow her to, to wear the mask, but they haven't agreed that what they did was they violated her rights when they removed that mask the yeah. first time. Well, I think it's great that that mom is saying, I'm not going to let them do that to my daughter. My daughter can have her free speech just like the other students have have been able to have theirs. And I read this article about this, and what it was was they... Um, the school didn't really have a policy about religious speech or anything like that, which they aren't supposed to have anyway, and they didn't have it. But then when the mom asked, well, what's the policy that's saying that, you know, we can't have this, she can't wear this mask. There's all kinds of other people that have different messages on their masks and their shirts and whatever. So where's the policy? So the guy said, I'll have to get back to you. And he hung up and then they went and made the policy. They made that policy and then they came back to her and then she had to get a lawyer. So that's just crazy. And the fact that they're not letting it go now that they're letting her wear it. And this is important. And the reason it's important is because she shouldn't let it go because there's going to be another student somewhere else that's going to have the same problem and probably already has quite a few other places. There's been other students that have had this same problem and they've just let it go. They've just said, okay, I won't do that. And that's how we lose our free speech. That's how. When people just say they're going to let it go when their speech rights are infringed upon. So good for her. Good for Jennifer Booth. I am definitely going to have to stamp her a darling parent. So if you want to help in our culture war here. I hope that you'll get a hold of me if you're in the Kansas City area and let me know that you're interested in being a part of Moms for Liberty. And if you're not in the Kansas City area, I hope you'll go to momsforliberty.com and look up a way that you can uh, either join a chapter or be a part of that. That would be great. But another way that you can really help is subscribe. Okay. <laughs> Please subscribe to this channel, and if you are on a podcast, give it a five-star review. That's another way you can help, and you can share. You know, the more parents that know about this, remember how that survey said there was a lot of parents that don't want this left, leftist stuff going on in the schools, but the problem is they don't speak out. So be one of those people that speaks out, share this video, share my channel, and also go and uh, be a part of Moms for Liberty if you're able to do that. Also, I want to remind you of my How to Train Your Child to Behave. Now, it's not just a book. There's also an online course, but I've decided to give that course away for free. And the way I'm doing that is I'm posting a new lesson 
every Monday morning on the Mommy Answer Lady YouTube channel. Um, parents, I hope that you will subscribe and we can win this. I'm so glad you were here. Thanks for coming and I hope to see you next time.